one last thing. You know, the reason we're doing digital connection cards and why we have the app and you can find announcements and everything that you need on there, we're still not, you know, we're not handing things out. We're not, you know, doing any, passing any baskets or anything like that. We all are aware that, you know, COVID infections have been going up. And so just ask you to just continue. We're going to continue to have services. We're going to continue to be, but we're going to be vigilant. And so if you're not feeling well, don't come, you know, just join us on the live stream. Uh, if, um, you know, we just want to keep the mask on. As soon as I get off the stage, my mask goes up and we keep it. I'm glad I don't have to preach like this. That would be kind of rough. But, uh, you know, just, just keep it up over the nose and let's just be mindful of that. And then let's, let's keep the social distancing six feet. Let's, uh, let's just continue to be vigilant and to trust God and, and just continue to move forward. Um, so welcome to, this is actually, believe it or not, this is week six of our, uh, our, what we call our fall campaign. Every fall we do a church-wide campaign where we sync up our Sunday morning messages along with like daily devotionals, along with what's going on in, in, in our small groups, our life groups. And so we're six weeks in. Um, and uh, boy, it's been good. We've been talking about what on earth we're here for, living out your calling. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed preaching these messages. Pastor Charles did a great job last week, and I've been hearing really good reports about all the life groups, and there's a lot of life in the life groups, even though most are continuing to meet on Zoom, with some, some doing some careful in-person stuff, but mostly on Zoom. And so it's, so it's been really good, but it's hard to believe we're, we're, getting, we're getting towards the end. Um, and just, just by way of uh, review, uh, we have been talking about living out our calling, what it means for us to be called. And, and so it starts with just knowing that, like, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. Even if, you know, there's, there's some people, some people who, you know, they, they realize there's like a 15-year gap between them and their oldest sibling, and they're just like, I don't know if I was planned. I might have been a whoopsie, but, uh, but you know what? It's, there might be some accidental parents, you know, but there are no accidental children. The Bible says very clear, from before the foundation of the world, God loved you, and God called you, and God planned you. And so it starts with knowing that. And so then what we've been doing is we've been talking about these different callings that we have in our, that we have in our life. And so, uh, so the first one is, is the call to to be loved, right? And I just, that's, that to me, honestly, I, I preached that about five weeks ago, four or five weeks ago, and it has just been staying with me, you know, what God really spoke to me throughout that whole process of just first and foremost, before we do anything, just let God love you. Just receive his love before, that's where it all starts. You know, God just wants to lavish his love on you. And the more we move into this foundation where we know that we know that we know that we're, we're unconditionally loved by God, that becomes the strength of our life. That becomes the foundation that we stand on. And then it enables us to move into all of our other callings because we're starting with this firm foundation. And I think... Exploring the love of God that he has for us is a lifelong process. Probably will go on for all of eternity that we'll be plunging the riches of the, the, the depths of the riches of God and his love for us. The second call is the call to belong. We talked about how God, God created you to be part of a family. Uh, and, and so God doesn't want you to be lonely. God doesn't want you to be isolated. God doesn't want you to be disconnected. He wants you to be part of his church family. And, uh, and we receive strength. We receive encouragement. We receive support as we're not only connected to God and his love, but we're also connected to his family. The third call is the call to become. So a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the reality that, that when God dreamed you up, 
when he formed you, when he thought of you, when he planned you, he's got an end, end goal kind of in mind. He's going to conform you to the image of his son. And so it's going to be like you with your uniqueness and Jesus kind of together to, to just be this special, super unique person. Listen, the, the reality is we tell our kids something that isn't totally true. right? We, sometimes we'll tell our kids, you can be anything that you want. That's, I don't know if that's totally true because I don't care how much I want to, might want to be a worship leader. I can't be a worship leader at a church. I mean, if I was, it would be a really small church and a church that's not really bearing a lot of fruit. Uh, I was never going to play basketball for the New York Knicks, though the Knicks have been so bad for so long, I, they couldn't be any worse if I was on the court. Um, but, uh, but, but see, here's the thing, though, is that I can become whom God created me to become. That's, that is, that's the assignment that God has for us, that we become who he's calling us to be. And as we are in that process, becoming more and more who we're called to be, that's where we're going to experience abundance and joy in life. Last week, we looked at the fourth calling on your life. You're called to bless. Right? God hasn't called you to live a selfish little life that's all about you. It's not all about you. It's about God. It's about God and it's about other people. And so if we're going to come into what God has for us, we've got to realize that, that we're called to, to bless. We're called to give away what God has given us. And uh, it's, you know, Jesus really tried to get this point across to us, right? That, that as we bless, as we bless, we're blessed. As we help, we're helped. It's the law of sowing and reaping. That if you put a, a seed in the ground, you don't just get one more seed. The seeds multiply. It's the same with us. Whatever we sow into, we're going to get more of. So if you sow criticism, you're going to get criticism back. If you sow praise or honor, you're going to get praise or honor back. And so listen, the reality is, is you, the, you and Jesus kind of together, the unique way that you together are going to bring God's blessing into the world. There's no one who can do what God is calling you to do. And in that day when you see Jesus face to face and you come into the fullness of his kingdom, I promise you, Jesus is not going to look at you and say, why weren't you more like so-and-so? He's not going to say that. If he says anything like that, it would be, why weren't you more you? Because God created you to be you. And if you're not you, then nobody's going to fulfill that role. And so, so we discover who we are and we move into everything that God has for us. And so the fifth calling that we're going to look at today is the calling of being sent. The call to be sent. Right? We're called to be loved. We're called to belong. We're all called to become. We're called to bless. And we're called to be sent. My fifth purpose or calling in life is I'm sent to bring others into God's family. Right? We've been talking about this. That, that God's whole plan and purpose from the very beginning is that he wants a family. That's why all this exists. That's why there's a universe. That's why there's an earth. That's why there's a you. Because God wants a family. God wants a family that he's going to be able to love and that's going to love him back forever. That's, that's what everything is all about. That God is calling us to be part of his family. And the Bible makes this really, really clear. It started all the way back with, with the call of Abraham. Right, Abraham, thousands of years ago, he's called Father Abraham. Because God wanted a family. God was gathering a people. And so the Israelites, and they didn't totally fulfill this, but they were supposed to bring this message to the world that God has a people and invite people to be part of God's family. Then Jesus and his disciples brought that message to let us know that God is forming a family. 
That is what God is up to in the world. That is the purpose. That is the plan. God is calling, a, forming a family. Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. This isn't the first time we've read this verse in the series because it's so foundational. But I love it. It's just God is forming a family. And I just love this is what he wanted to do and it gives him great pleasure. Now let me explain something that, that I think a lot of us understand but maybe some people don't. Now every single human being, everyone who's listening to me right now, you are created by God and you are loved by God. But you are not necessarily part of the family of God. See, what the Bible is really clear is this whole thing of God creating a family. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And he knocks and he says, open up. And if you open up the door, I'm going to come in and you're going to be part of my family. And I'm going to eat with you and I'm going to be with you. But if you don't open up the door, Jesus isn't going to kick the door down. And so, so we are called to be sent. We have this message. We're called to bring the message of God's love to let people know that, hey, what life is all about, it's not about how much money you're going to make. It's not about the great vacations you're going to go on. It's not about having abs of steel or whatever it is. It's ultimately about becoming part of God's family, that you open up the door and you let Jesus Christ in. And it says this in Romans 10, verses 13 to 15. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So anyone who says, God, I want in, they're in. I mean, that's good news. That's something we could even say amen about that because that's amazing. The incredible grace of God. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how you've messed up. If you just say, God, I want to be part of your family, you're saved. You're in. You're part. You're at the table. But then it says, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? See, we are called to be sent. We are called to let people know in this confused world that everybody's living in that God loves you, there's a purpose, there's a plan. You are invited to be part of God's family. Open up the door and let Jesus in and be part of that family. Jesus said this in John 15, 16. He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you, or I assigned you, or I, I gave you the task, I appointed you. To go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Now fruit is a, is a metaphor for a successful life. For a, a life full of purpose. A life full of promise. That's a, a fruitful life. And Jesus doesn't want us to just produce any kind of fruit. He calls us to produce fruit that lasts. Now here's the reality. A lot of what we spend our time doing is producing fruit or doing things that aren't going to last forever. Like that company that you work for, you know, and you give a lot of your energy and a lot of your devotion to it, that company isn't going to last forever. That company, companies come and companies go. The, the beautiful lawn that you work so hard to have. We've got, we got some lawn people out here today. Here, here. Okay, so listen, I've got this neighbor who just makes me look bad. I mean, this guy... He just, his lawn is perfect, and his, you know, he just is always having work done on his house. I mow, like, you know, I mean, I do what I, you know, we do what we can. We bought an edger, like, a couple of weeks ago, so we're going to edge things. Yeah, so we're, you know, but we're not, you know, we're not keeping up with the guy across the street, because he's at a whole other level. But, uh, 
But that lawn that you work so hard on, it's not going to last forever, right? I mean, uh, the, the, the improvements you make to your house, or like so much of what we do. Like at the end of the day, nobody's going to care about the movies that I watch, the TV shows that I watch, the places where I went on vacation. So much of what we do isn't going to last forever, but Jesus wants us to bear fruit that's going to last. And so what is it that lasts, right? There are two things that last. Truth will last forever and ever and ever. Truth is going to last and people last. Truth and relationship lasts. And so if we're going to bear fruit that lasts, we've got to figure out whatever it is that we're doing, how we can make it about truth and how we can make it about relationships. So I, I'm not saying that your job isn't important or serving your company isn't important. It, it is. Your vocation, what God calls you to do, it is important. We'll preach this whole you know, series about how, how your job is important. But what makes it important is when you find where you can stand for truth within your company, where you can stand for the truth of justice in your company, the truth of fairness in your company, the truth of honesty within your company, the truth of figuring out whatever goods and services your company produces. How do you bless people with that? How does this become something that contributes to the good? That lasts forever. And the relationships, the clients that you have, the people that you work with, these are things that last forever. But the thing that, that as far as bearing fruit that will last... The most fruitful thing that we can do to know it's going to last forever is if we take God's truth and we figure out how to bring it to people who are not part of the family of God so they become part of the family of God. That's what this fifth calling is all about. And it's not just for people with microphones. It's not just for Billy Graham. It's for all of us. We are all called to be sent. God has given us a message and people aren't going to know that message unless we go and we bring it to them. That's what, that's what God calls us to do. And I'll tell you what, there's going to be a day when you're going to be in the kingdom of heaven, fully revealed, God's family fully gathered, and somebody's going to come up to you and they're going to say, thank you. And you're going to, maybe you know them, maybe you don't. And you say, well, what, what are you thanking me for? And you say, you helped me say yes to God. You helped me become part of God's family. You were my Sunday school teacher when I was a kid. Or you gave me food when I was hungry in Jesus' name. Or you prayed for me. Or you, you shared your, you know, your testimony. You told me what God had done in your life. You invited me to church. And you're going to realize that something that you did helped God use something that you did help this person become God, part of God's forever family. And so they're going to be your brother. They're going to be your sister forever and ever. When you invest in people who are going to last for eternity, then you're bearing fruit that will last. And so what I want to talk about today is how do we do that? How do we do that as individuals? How do we do that as a church? And so I've got three points. I've got three things that I think can help us kind of walk this out. How can we fulfill the call to bring other people into God's family? And the first is pray that people say yes to God. Pray that people say yes to God. Now, we talked a couple of weeks ago. I, I was sharing about how if you're going to follow Jesus, become everything that God has called you to be, you need to talk to God on a daily basis. And I would encourage you to, don't, don't just talk to God about your stuff. Talk to God about other people. Talk to God, especially maybe you've got two or three or four people in your life, people that you work with, uh, people that are in your family, people that are your neighbors. And you can just pray, God, break into their life. God, show them that, that you're real. Show them that you love them. Show them that they need you. Send people their way. 
Send people their way who can, who can bring them the good news. Give me the opportunity, God, to, to share my testimony, to share what you've done for me. Jesus said this in Matthew 9, 36-38. He said to his disciples, he said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, so remember we talked a couple weeks ago about sheep and they're really cute and God calls us sheep, but they're pretty helpless, right? They don't have any natural defenses. They're like toast when it comes to wolves and other predators. They need the protection of the shepherd. Jesus looked at the multitudes and he said they are harassed. They are helpless. They are like sheep without a shepherd. And then he goes on and he says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. See, the problem isn't that there aren't people out there who would open up the door to Jesus and say yes to him. The harvest is plentiful. The problem are the followers of Jesus who are sent, who are not going out into the field to share the message that God has given us. That's what Jesus says is the problem. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest field. And I just love that Jesus frames this from a place of compassion. They're just like, open your eyes. Just look. People are harassed. People are helpless. People are like sheep without a shepherd. And I think it's always easy to see that if we open up our eyes. But the last eight or nine months, I think, has brought it even more into focus. Because... All the things that people were depending on, all the things that people were standing on or in their life to kind of distract them from all the other big issues, all of that was stripped away during the pandemic. All the stuff that they thought was their sure footing was gone. And what ended up happening is that there was fear and there was anxiety and there was doubt and there was uncertainty that got, that got put on their shoulders. And, and it's made people even more helpless, even more harassed. And we've seen all the stats of that. Divorces have gone up over the last nine months. Suicides have gone up over the last nine months. Addiction, uh, um, substance abuse has gone up. Mental illness has gone up. And so we just need to have our eyes open if we see that people are harassed and helpless. Well, you know, and I think that that's what praying, when we're praying on a regular basis for people to find a life-giving relationship with Jesus, it just helps us see the reality. And the reality is, is, that, is that the fields are ripe for harvest. Is that the harvest is plentiful. And we just got to pray that not only that people will be open to the message of Jesus, but that workers will be sent, uh, including us. And I think a big part of that is remembering what it was like for us. Listen, I'm talking to some people, you know, who've been a follower of Jesus, maybe since you were in like four, you know, kindergarten. And you've been following Jesus for years and years and years. But it says this, Paul says in Ephesians 2.12, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. He says, hey, you need to remember. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't be like a Christian for so long and a follower of Jesus so long that you take things for granted. Remember that you were separate from Christ, excluded from, some, from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in this world. Do you remember what it was like to be without hope and without God in this world. And I'm speaking to people here who are followers of Jesus. Do you remember what it was like when you faced a crisis, when you faced a difficulty, and you didn't know that you could run to seek cover under the shadow of God's wings? And you just tried to deal with it on your own. You just kind of put your head down and you said, I'll think a happy thought and I'll knock on wood and maybe things will work out. Do you remember how, remember how hard it was to fall asleep when that was going on? Do you remember what it was like when you had things in your life that you knew were holding you back? 
You knew there were addictions, there were, there were attitudes, there were wounds that made you hurt the people that you loved, that really kept you from being who you wanted to be. But you were powerless to change because you weren't connected with the Holy Spirit and God wasn't inside of you to change. Do you remember what it was like carrying your guilt and shame with nobody to forgive you? Do you remember that? Every now and then, I will remember something that I did as a teenager or in my 20s or, you know, some period, you know, a while ago or recent. And I'll just think like, well, how did I do that? Do you ever have that? Yeah, I, there's a couple of things. I just think like, how did I hurt that person like that? How, how, what was I thinking? Remember what it was like when you had that? And then you couldn't be like, God, thank you so much that you've forgiven me for that. Thank you, Lord, that you've wiped that away. When we just had to bear our guilt and shame. Remember what it was like living under the cloud of the fear of death? Listen, you know what? Our society, we don't talk about it that much. I think that's one of the things that's been so hard about the pandemic is all of a sudden we try to keep death at bay. We try to not think about it. We try to amuse ourselves. We try to diverse, you know, to, to have diversions. It's made it harder to do that. But I remember when I was a teenager, I was a sophomore in high school, and there were three girls, three, they were seniors. They were three cheerleaders, so I didn't know them. They were older than me, but they were, you know, pretty popular, pretty known in school, who were in a horrible car accident, and one of the girls died. And if you remember, you know, if you had something like that happen in your high school, there's like a pall that goes over the whole high school. And so I didn't know these girls, but I knew the girl's younger brother. He was in a class with me. And so he was out of school for like a week or two after his sister's death. And I remember when he came back to class and I, you know, I tried to say something. I fumbled through some kind of condolences, but I just remember it like as this, you know, 15 year old kid being like, man, she's dead. She's gone. And that's going to happen to me one day. And I remember that cloud. Do you remember what it was like when you just, when that fear of death was there? And so Paul says, remember. And you see, the thing is, if we remember what it was like to live without hope and without God in this world, we're going to pray. And then when we pray, God's going to move and God's going to make us aware. We'll pray for workers to be sent out and we'll be those workers, which, which brings me to my next point, which is share your story. Share your story. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 to 16. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Are you prepared? Are you ready? Let's say like you walk out of here and you go to Panera after, after service and someone says, you're always happy when you come in here. What is the reason for the hope that you have? Are you ready? Are you prepared to give a reason for the hope, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their, of their slander? See, I think one of the reasons that Christians don't embrace this calling and go out as workers who were sent is we kind of misunderstand what Jesus told us to do. We think that Jesus told us to be his lawyers. And so we're like, I don't know the arguments, I don't know all the Bible verses, I don't know this or that, so I'm not going to do it, I don't want to mess anything up, or I, I feel like I'm not ready for it. He didn't say, be my lawyers. He said, be my witnesses. What does a witness do? A witness just says, hey, here's what I've seen. Here's what I've experienced. Here's how God has worked in my life. Here's how when I went through this thing that you're going through, God helped me get through it. That's all we're called to do. We're called to be God's witnesses. And we are to be ready. We are to be prepared to do that. Now, I want to just take a moment, because I think it's so important for all of us to think this through, to think about the three elements to sharing your story. 
Now, I had actually, I shared this about a year and a half ago because I knew I wanted to bring this up again in this message. And I'm like, well, I know I did this before. Was it, was it two months ago? When did I do it? It was like a year and a half ago. So I could do it again. But it was interesting. I wanted to kind of flesh it out with kind of the elements of my story. And I actually have, I have two conversion stories. Because when I was 17, when I just turned 17, I gave my life to Jesus. And God transformed my life. And for like the next three years, I was all in. I was following him. And then I turned my back on God and did like 180 degree in the other direction. I won't go into the why and what. I don't fully understand what was happening then myself. But, but when I was 25, I came back to Jesus. And so when I did this a year and a half ago, I told you about my story coming back. And so I thought, is let me, let me just share with you what, what I remember was going on in my life when I was 17. And so the first element is how I realized I needed Christ. So what was going on in your life that made you realize that you needed a relationship with Jesus? And for me, I'd grown up in, in, in a Christian home. I grew up in the church, but I didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't think that there was anything there that could help me with my life, that could help me with what my goals and what it was I was after. And so I, I went because I had to. And, and, you know, my mother, she was always trying to get me to go to youth group because my church had a youth group. But I didn't want to go to youth group, you know. And I, I wanted to go hang out with my friends. And, and I remember one time she said to me, she said, well, what do you think? Do you think you're better than them? And I was like, no, I don't think I'm better than them. I just don't want to hang out with them. I just, you know, there's a party Friday night. I want to go to that. And uh, so anyway, so that's kind of where I was that. But what God, what God was doing is he kept sending people into my life. Because I think like I, back at that time, right, when I was like middle of my junior year of high school, things were going pretty good. As far as, you know, kind of the metrics we have in high school about what makes a good life. I had a good group of friends. You know, I had a good group of friends that I hung out with. We had a good time together. I had a girlfriend who I'd been dating for a while who I liked a lot. And, and I, was a, I was a pretty good high school wrestler. I was not a Charles Taylor level high school wrestler because Charles was like next level. But uh, he and I were in the same weight class. No, no. Uh, he was, uh, he was uh, yeah, his, he, could, he could have benched me like 10 times. But... Um, but I was pretty good. I was going to be captain of, of my wrestling team my senior year. So things were going pretty good. But I knew, it's weird, even as a 17-year-old, I knew I was empty. I knew, like, I kind of was, like, I wanted to be a varsity wrestler, and I was going to be captain. It's like, yeah, I, you know, dating this girl who was a cheerleader. It's like, okay, I thought that was going to do it. But all these things, I was like, no, it's not, I'm still empty. This, this can't be all that there is. And so what God was doing is he kept sending people across my path who really knew Jesus, who had this, like, totally different relationship with Jesus. And I remember, you know, people at the gym and people in different, just different ways that God would bring people across my path. And I remember thinking, like, man, maybe there's something more to this than I realized. Maybe there is something there that could really provide the answers I'm looking for. So anyway, I was more open to going to, uh, uh, I was more open to, to, to going to, um, going to hang out with the youth group, which leads to the second part. I can't remember if I said that. I'm getting into the story. But the second part is how I committed my life to Christ. And so I decided to go to this, this concert that the youth group was going to. This was 1983, so it was a different time. It was, I believe it was Russ Taff and the Imperials. Does anybody, anybody remember the early 80s? But anyway, so I'm there. I'm sitting up in the bleachers, and it was actually a really spiritual thing. You know, Russ Taff was preaching his heart out, and it was a lot of teenagers and young adults, and he's calling us to like go all in with Jesus. And I remember sitting there being like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do it. I've been fighting God my whole life, but I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to follow him. And so then 
they invited people who were going to make that commitment to follow Jesus to come up to the front. And so we stood in front of the stage. There was, it was full. It was like probably a couple hundred people who were there in front of the stage. And so I prayed to give my life to Jesus. And I just basically waved the white flag of surrender and I said, God, I'm in. I'm going to follow you. But what I remember about that, in my mind, I, to me, becoming a Christian meant I was going to believe certain things and I was going to live a certain life and it meant I couldn't go to parties anymore and I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that, but all right, I'm going to do it. But I remember, like, the, the presence of God was overwhelming. And I just, I remember, like, it was, it was like Jesus was standing right in front of me. And I was so aware that I'm not giving myself to a belief. I'm not giving myself to a lifestyle. I am giving myself to the person of Jesus Christ, who is, like, realer than I ever thought he was. And he's, like, standing right in front of me. And I remember driving back in the van after that concert. I just knew, it was like... I did something here that's going to make a difference. I, 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 you know what? God is real. Jesus is real. And I just gave him my life. And then the third part of it is the difference that it made. And I'll tell you what, man. 17-year-old Phil, it made a huge difference. I, I went from, you know, I had this sense of purpose now. I, like, got out of bed. I would, I told, you know, I'd get out of bed early and pray. And, and we had, back then, you know, we didn't have phones that we walked around with. It was a really weird time. Like, our phones were, like, connected to the wall. And you couldn't take them off the wall. They stayed on the wall. And so I would carry this big Bible around with me, and I would tell people about Jesus, and I started a Bible study that would meet every Wednesday morning in the high school cafeteria. I was just going all in. But what I remember was so freeing about it is, you know, you know, in high school, you care so much about image, you care so much about what people think about you, and you go on, you continue to care about that, but we shouldn't, but we did, you know, especially in high school. I just didn't care. I just didn't care what people thought. I just was, I was like free of that. And I just wanted to love people. I just wanted to love God. And my life started to change. I mean, God was in my life now and things began to change. I, I found all of a sudden that I would do my homework. I didn't do homework since like sixth grade. I mean, really, the last time I did a homework assignment was sixth grade because I just didn't care about it. I was like, I guess I need to do my responsibilities. I guess I'll do homework. And, and I would study for tests and my grades got better. It was a little, you know, better late than never, I guess. Um, my friendships changed. God started to really do a work in that high school youth group that I was a part of and just had some great friendships. And, and it was just, everything was different. It was like now I felt like I was standing on solid ground and that God, you know, I could now come into everything that God had for me and I could become the person that God, that God called me to be that I could never get out of my own way to become. It was like night and day. It was like a, a, a switch had been flipped. And so that's my story. What's your story? Think through your story, right? How you realize you needed Christ, how you committed your life to Christ, the difference that it made, and then be ready to share it, be ready to tell it. And then the final point is this. Partner with your church to help connect people to Jesus. Go to the next slide. Partner with your church to help connect people to Jesus. And let me just explain something to you about how we do things here at the North Jersey Vineyard. Because I was really thinking about this. Like, how do we all together be the sent people that we're called to be, right? Because I really believe that together, I think together, I think over the next few years, I think we can do a lot of damage to the kingdom of hell. Yeah. I believe that. I believe that God is a calling on us as a church and that God wants us over the, in the years to come to lead thousands of people that we do it together because there are some things that you can do that we can't do and there's something that we can do that can help you with the things that you can't do. And if we work together, 
I think that we could see thousands of people say yes to Jesus, say yes to becoming part of the family of God, say yes to experiencing a life-giving relationship with Jesus. And I'll break it down in three points. Kind of, I'll go kind of quick. I'll try to. Um, first is think about Sunday mornings. Think about what we're doing right here. And so the way that we design our services, we're very intentional in the way we do it. We do it for two types of people. We're aware that, that lots of people here love Jesus and are trying to follow Jesus, and we want to encourage you, and we want to strengthen you, we want to worship together, we want you to experience the Holy Spirit, we want to help you in your process of becoming a disciple. But we're also <coughs> aware that there's always lots of people who have not yet said yes to Jesus, who have not yet opened up the door of their heart to Jesus, and so we're talking to them too. And actually, I find that it's not really all that difficult. You know, it, it's kind of a false dichotomy to say it's one or the other, because the reality at the end of the day, if we lift Jesus up, Jesus said he's going to draw people to himself, and everybody needs more Jesus. I don't care where you are in your journey, you need more Jesus, and we're just going to try to help everybody get more connected to Jesus. And, and this has been really fruitful for us. So last year, we had almost 200 people on their connection card indicate for the first time that they want to be part of the family of God. That they want to say yes to Jesus. If you add the people who, uh, you know, through youth group and through vacation Bible school and others, we see, we see hundreds of people every year say yes, say yes to Jesus. And I'll tell you the truth. Listen, I obsess about this. I obsess about it because I think part of it is part of my calling. That the part of my calling is to help bring people, to draw people, to connect people to Jesus. But I also think it's a calling that's on our church. And so I've, we're always saying, how can we reach more people? What can we do? How do we help? How do we communicate the message of the gospel more effectively? How do we uh, help people, encourage people to be baptized, to take that step, because that's such a significant step. How do we see people grow in their faith? And so out of that, we started the growth track a couple of years ago, which we're going to start again in January is when we're going to resume the growth track. Um, how do we help people experience God and get connected, you know, to a life group and become a disciple? We're always trying to think about how we can do that, how we can do that better. And so Jesus said this, he told this parable. He told this parable about this wealthy guy who was throwing a big banquet. And so he invited all of his wealthy friends to come to this banquet. And he went all out for the banquet. Like, no expense was spared, right? But nobody came to the banquet because people were like, I got to reorganize my sock drawer or I got to, you know, I got to do something. And so nobody came. And so Jesus said this, Luke 14, 23, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. And so I just listen, that's something I pray all the time. God, let your house be full. God, I pray that your house would be full and as we gather together that yes, Jesus will be lifted up and we'll worship God and he'll receive glory from that and we'll be blessed. But God, that there'll be people from the highways and the byways who will come and who will realize that they need a relationship with Jesus. God, I pray that you would do that. And, and so I, I've, I've been talking, you know, over the last couple of years, I call it the, the two out of 52 challenge, right? That 50 weeks out of the year, 50 Sundays, just come to church and worship God and see your friends. But two weeks out of the year, these people that you're praying for, look for opportunities to invite someone to come to church with you who has not yet said yes to Jesus, who are not yet experiencing that life-giving relationship with Jesus, who aren't yet part of his family. And so something I do at the end of every service is I always give people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And then after I lead people in that prayer, I say, if you prayed that prayer, raise your hand. And I tell everyone else to keep your eyes closed. But if you bring someone with you, and I do that, you can peek. You have permission to 
peak. Because I want to tell you, if you see that hand go up, it is going to be one of the greatest moments of your life when you realize that God used you to help connect someone with the Jesus that you love so much. And listen, I know that this COVID reality right now makes things a little more challenging. But you know what? Listen, if somebody's okay with, you know, wearing masks and being socially distanced, invite them to come to church with you. We've got some room. We still have a little bit more room. We'll add more services if we need to. We'll do what we got to do. And then there's this little, you know, you can kind of say, hey, I already registered you. So there's a little more pressure. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but even like on the live stream, like we know that there's lots of people who are checking out the live stream. Now we've got, we've got some new toys that we're playing with. We've got multiple camera angles now, and we're going to be doing something I think this week or next that's going to make the audio sound even better for worship. And so one, one, once we get everything set, we're going to start putting together these minute long clips that is going to be kind of a highlight of the preaching or the worship, and we're going to be sharing them on social media. And so the idea, the hope is, is that you'll share it with your friends and let people know and maybe they'll want to come to church with you maybe they'll want to join the live stream and so if you don't follow the North Jersey Vineyard Church on Facebook or Instagram start following us because that's where you're going to find these tools uh, follow me on Facebook send me a friend request on Facebook or follow me on Instagram because I, I talk about the church a lot on my social media pages and I'll be putting these things out there I'll be putting tools and things that you can use to share because listen I do believe that there are things that we can do now because the fields are ripe for harvest. But I think, man, as we move forward into the next, you know, the weeks and months and years ahead, I really do believe that God is going to use us to draw thousands of people into a life-giving relationship with Jesus. I really do. I just, even this, you know, as I was worshiping this morning, I just heard God reminding me of some things and promising, you know, some things. And I'm just excited about what God is up to. The second part is this, help us care for the poor. Help us care for the poor. Now, we've been telling you all about the food bank ministry and kind of what's been going on. And see, see, here's the thing. When God is doing something, you're just trying to catch up. You know what I mean? Whenever I've tried to do something, it's like it feels like I got to push hard. And, but when God's doing it, it's just like, it's crazy. You know, it's just like this whirlwind. And so, so that's what it's been because now we're giving box, we're giving thousands of boxes and bags of food away every single week. So I'll give you a, a, a little story, an example of how this kind of worked out recently. So, so we're getting so much food now that's coming in, milk and cheese and things. We realize that we need a walk-in cooler. So right over there on the other side of that wall in the warehouse area, we're going to, we, on Friday morning, we were supposed to have our 10 by 10 walk-in cooler installed. And uh, so we're all set for that. But then I'm in my office at about 9.15. It's just me and LaVon here. And, uh, and she knocks on the door and she says, oh, there's, there's, a, there's, there's someone here delivering food. And so I'm thinking it's a van. You know, because we'll get like different vans and stuff. So I come out. It's an 18-wheel tractor trailer with 27 pallets of food, like 14, 1,500 boxes of food. And it's just me and LaVon. And we're like, what are we going to do? So I call Jessica and she calls her team and people get here and we unload it. I had to call the refrigerator guy and say, we can't do it today because now there's 24 pallets of food in that area, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen tomorrow or Tuesday. But it's just, it just shows like, I mean, this is kind of what the, the truck was supposed to come next week, but they showed up yes, you know, on Friday, and we're like, all right, we'll deal with it. And by the end of the day, all of that food was distributed, even though we weren't planning you know, on doing it. It all got distributed.
distributed. And so not only are we distributing three to 400 boxes of food or bags of food to people in our community and people who live in the South Hackensack, Little Ferry, you know, this whole area, we are also resourcing other churches. We have churches that come from... Jersey City and the Bronx and Manhattan and Hackensack come and load up vans and U-Haul trucks and things to, to get their food. And so I was reading an article in the record three days ago about this, about this small Latino church in Hackensack. And the article was about how this church is giving away food to so many people and isn't that great. And as I'm reading this article, I realized we're their main supplier. <laughs> we're the ones who, they're getting, like they got it from some other groups, but they're, they're one of the ones who come with a U-Haul truck every single week. And so I'm telling you, it's just God is doing something and I want to encourage you to be a part of it. John Wimber said this, the founder of the vineyard, he said, and by the way, don't you love, come on, I, and he's pointing to his quote. I did that. I was, come on. All right, I just want little props here and there. If you're not going to care for the poor, then don't use the vineyard name. Isn't that a great quote? But that's kind of what's in the heart of the vineyard. That's what's in our heart. If we, we always are looking for ways that we can care for the poor, not just because John Wimber said so, but because Jesus said so. Jesus, you know, I could, I could give you so many different verses, you know, chapter and verse where Jesus told us to care for the poor. But let me, I think one of the most powerful ones is Matthew 25, where Jesus is telling the parable of the sheep and the goats, you know, where he says that at the end of the age, God's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And so what is it that, what are some of the things that show that someone's one of God's sheep, you know, what is kind of the family likeness? And he says this, and the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Listen, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Let that sink in for a minute. When we give food out to people who are food deprived, we're ministering to Jesus. Right? That's, you know, Mother Teresa, right? I mean, who lived this incredible life. That was her secret. That's how she did. She just realized that every single person she was caring for out of the hundreds of thousands in the slums of Calcutta was an opportunity to minister to Jesus. So I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. By the way, that word means immigrant. That's the word for immigrant. And so Jesus said, I was an immigrant and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And so listen, God is doing something. And I love the fact that this whole ministry was birthed in a pandemic. Because it started with like, there were like 15 people who had the virus and couldn't get to the supermarket and so we got them food. And at a time when so many other churches, you know, are just kind of hunkering down and saying, we just got to survive and let's just get through this. You guys are, you know, what you guys said was, let's, let's believe God for big things. Let's, let's work with Jesus and respond to the need that's all around. And so God has done amazing things. And, you know, he's done amazing things. And the amazing things that he's done has been through so many of you. And so I just, listen, I just want to encourage you to be a part of it and just you know sign up and be get on that list and and find out whether it's once a month or more you know we're going to be doing our Christmas offering soon this is going to be part of the Christmas offering is funding the food bank and so just be asking God how you can give of your time give of your money and just see all the things that God is doing last thing is this I actually was thinking because I this is a little longer than it's supposed to be Marianne's going to yell at me because we have kids' church going on. But, and she's, I'll tell you, Marianne's tough. You know, Charles is tough. Marianne is tough. Grimaldi could hurt me. I got, you know, pray for me. Um, but, uh, but, but I really felt like I, I needed to add this last point. Because I just think this is so important to kind of understand who we are, what God has, called us, God, God has called us to be. Stay committed to ministering the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And that's something not just for the leaders, that's something for all of us. That we stay committed to ministering the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the early disciples in Acts chapter 4, there's this great, this great account, right? Because the, what happened was the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they dealt with Jesus, and they're like, okay, we dealt with this problem. But then what they didn't count on was Jesus rising from the dead and the disciples carrying on his ministry. And so people are getting saved, people are getting healed. And so the, the authorities start turning the heat on the, on the early church. And so they get together and they pray. And this is what they prayed. They didn't pray, Lord, keep us safe. God, protect us with all these difficulties that are out there. God, help us to hide and, you know, just play it safe. They said, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Right? That we're called to be sent. Lord, help us to do it. Help us to really just come into everything that you have for us. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. And so just for you to understand how we seek to do ministry, there is a message that we have been given. That message is the gospel. That message is God loves you. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Before you were born, God was loving you. Jesus died on the cross in your place. So the wall, the thing that separates you from experiencing the love of God, that can be dealt with. And so open up the door of your heart and invite Jesus in and he'll change everything. And then you can know that you can live forever with God as part of his family. That's the message. But there's also a ministry. There's also a ministry. We also demonstrate the reality of that message. And so we want you to learn how to pray for the sick. There are things that you can do to become more effective praying for healing for people. It's not like a mantra. It's not a formula. It's simply learning how to pray, listening to God and being directed by the Holy Spirit. And we can help you learn how to do that. We want to help you learn how to hear God's voice. The Bible talks about words of knowledge and prophecy. God wants to give you messages for people in your life, people that you're praying with, people that you work with, people that you live with, where God's going to maybe show you some of the things that are going on in their heart that you never could know on your own. And I've seen thousands of times how that opens people up, how that unlocks things. God wants, when we gather together to worship, God wants his presence to be manifest, to be thick, so that people can experience what I experienced when I was 17 years old that was so striking that like God is here, Jesus is here, something's happening, surely God is in your midst. We want that for our services, we want that for our life groups, we want that for youth group, we pray that that's happening even right now in children's ministry, we want that to happen on Fridays from 4.30 to 6.30 where hundreds of cars come into this parking lot to get a box of food that they realize because of the presence of God that, that this isn't just a nice church doing a nice thing, but God sees them, God knows them, God loves them. And I want all of us to remain committed to that, that we would minister. Yes, we're called and we're sent and we have a message, but God is also giving us a ministry. And then what it says here in the, the final part of that verse is they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and the word and they spoke the word of God boldly. And so what I want to do here just in these closing moments is I want to invite you to stand up just kind of wherever you're at. Just stand up. We're going to ask God to move. Just going to ask God to work. 
doesn't have to be, you know, huge and dramatic, whatever God wants to do. But just, if you feel comfortable, just, I always find it's good to, for when, when I'm asking to receive something from God, to just kind of take this receptive posture. With your, with your hands, you know, just kind of palms up, ready to receive something. Those of you watching on the live stream, do the same thing. Because God, you know what? He can travel through internet connections. And so Lord, God, we thank you that we are called. We thank you, God, that we are sent. And Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you would come right now and that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Come, Lord, fill us, God, right now. God, we say yes to you, God. We want to be sent. Just as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, God. We want to be sent with the same message and the same power that Jesus walked in. So come, Holy Spirit. And let's just wait for a moment. I can sense God's presence just beginning to settle, beginning to move. And you know, the great thing, because God's power and presence is real, I don't have to hype it, I don't have to get emotional, I don't have to get loud. We can just get quiet, we can just receive, let God do what he wants to do. And so Lord, I bless your presence right now. God, I pray, Lord, you see the hungry hearts. And I just, you know what, I have this feeling right now that with somebody out here right now, you're just kind of like, oh, when is this going to be over? i got to get out of here. But God has something for you right now. Somebody right now, you were just thinking that, and you're like, wait, what's, how does he know that I was thinking that? And it's like, because I know, I've been talking a long time. It's not, you know, I don't need, like, God's wisdom to figure that out. But, but God has something for you right now. And so dial in and ask him, because he's got something for you. So come, Holy Spirit. I bless your presence here. One of the things that I've learned in kind of doing this is that when I just get a sense of what God is doing and I bless it, it increases. And so I think some of you right now, you're, you're feeling this like tingling on your lips right now. And what that is, is God is anointing your speech. Because you have a testimony, you have a witness, you have a story that can bring hope to people. And God's going to give you opportunities this week to share that story, to share that testimony. So be prepared because God right now is empowering you so that the words that you speak aren't just words. They're actually just darts. They're arrows that the Holy Spirit's going to use to go right into the hearts of people. And so I bless that God. I pray that you would anoint our speech, our testimony for your glory. More, Lord. Bless your presence here, God. Oh, Marianne's going to be mad at me. More, Lord. I bless your presence, God. I'm, I'm, you know, and so what happens, just to let, let you know, I, I experience things and it kind of lets me know what God is doing with some of you. So my ears just started ringing. And I think it's because the Holy Spirit's opening up some of your ears, your spiritual ears, so you can more clearly hear God's voice. So you can hear that God loves you. He loves you. And I, you know what? I was about to say something else, but I just feel God arresting me. God right now is speaking over you. Oh man, he loves you so much. He loves you. Loves you with a love that is more than you could possibly imagine. 
hear your father right now saying, I love you. What he says is, hey, I know you're a mess, but I still love you. I love you. And I think that part of that too is God is going to start giving you words for people. You're going to find that you just kind of know what somebody's feeling, maybe even what somebody's thinking or something that's going on in their life. And it's going to be something that God's going to give you when you're praying for someone or you're ministering to someone that's just going to open things up. Hmm. My watch just told me to breathe. But you know what? God controls even my Apple watch. I just, you know what? God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. So breathe in right now. Breathe in God's fullness. Breathe in his life. Breathe in his love. And some of you, you're feeling this like your heart's beating faster. It's because God is doing something. God is is giving you a passion to connect people to him. Some of you have one of your gifts is a gift. We're all called to do it, but some of you are really called to do it. You know, God's given you kind of some special abilities and opportunities. And God is, I think he's, he's waking, he's stirring things up right now. Stirring things up. And it starts with your passion to, to help connect people to Jesus. And I just got to say this right now. Is I'd be remiss, you know, if I didn't say this. If, if you have not yet said yes to being part of God's family... Don't leave here today without saying yes. Jesus is knocking really loud on the door of your heart and he wants you to open up that door because he wants to come in because he loves you and he's called you and there's a purpose and there's a fullness and there's a joy that you, you, you can't even imagine what God has for you. But you need to say yes to say, God, I want to be part of your family. And so if you're ready to do that this morning, you know, whether you're here in the room or whether you're watching on the live stream, say, Jesus, I want to be part of your family. I, I want to be part of your family, God. I, I want to be, I want to come into my purpose, my calling, what I was made for. So please forgive all of my sins. I, I ask you to forgive everything I've done. Help me to change from the inside. I accept your free gift of salvation. And God, now I want to know you and I want to serve you. Thank you for making me part of your family. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. You can text FOLLOW to 201-584-7188 and Pastor Charles will reach out to you this week. But go ahead, whether on the live stream or here, text FOLLOW to that phone number. And God, I just bless your presence here, God. I bless your presence. God, I thank you, God. No eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that you've prepared for the North Jersey Vineyard Church to do in your name in the months and years ahead. God, we want to come into everything that you have for us, God. We thank you that you have sent us. God, that we're called to be sent. And God, we pray that you would use us, that you'd use this church to connect thousands of people to your family, God. Pray for you to fill us. Pray for your life to come. And we're going to, you know what, as we close right now, we've got some prayer ministry people who are going to move over here to, the, to my right in that corner over there. And I would just say, listen, some of you guys, really, you're experiencing stuff. God is doing some stuff. Bible says when two or three people agree, you know, that, uh, that things happen. 
And so maybe for some of you, just go up to someone, just say, I'm, God's doing something. God's, you know, my hands are ringing, my ears are ringing, this is happening. And they'll just bless you and, and it'll increase and there'll be even more. And especially those of you who feel that burden, that God is just increasing that burden as a sent one. I believe God wants to further anoint, empower, and equip you. And I, you know what, I just, and the other thing too, just something that I think God wants to do is that I just, I, I think some of you have some real spiritual earwax where it is so hard for you to hear God's song over you. So hard for you to hear how much he loves you. And I just believe that God wants to spiritually drain your ears, not, not first and foremost to help you in your effectiveness as a sent one, but just simply because he wants you to know how much he loves you. He wants you to be able to hear him say to you that you are loved, that he loves you. So let somebody pray for you. Come on over and get some prayer because the spirit of God is here. God bless you guys. Pray for me as I have to face Marianne, and uh, I'll see you soon.